Hey there, everybody. What's new, Andrew here, and welcome back to the Let's Nintendo It podcast. The only podcast that's presented in real, eye-popping 3D. Before we get started with this episode, I just want to let everybody know that in the description of this episode, there's a link to a survey. The purpose of this survey is just for me to gauge how you're all enjoying the show. What aspects can I improve on, and what aspects am I doing just fine with? After you're done listening to this episode, if you could fill it out, I'd really, really appreciate it. And now, without further ado, let's get to it. It feels a little weird that I'm saying that a well-known franchise is going into 3D for the first time in 2021, especially considering that this franchise has been running for nearly 30 years now, but everybody's favorite pink puffball Kirby finally has his first 3D game announced in the form of Kirby in the Forgotten Land. And we're not talking about a fighting game or a little sub-game, we're talking a full mainline Kirby game that's finally a 3D platformer and not a 2D platformer. This game really feels like it's been years in the making. When Star Allies ended its development, fans were pretty unsure of what the next Kirby game was really going to entail. This is mostly because the director, Shinya Kumazaki, teased that Kirby was moving into its next stage. Kirby Star Allies, I feel, even teased that this was the end of a specific era for the Kirby franchise. With all the dream friends it had, it really felt like a celebration of the series up to this point. And especially, the final celebration picture that you put together was called Farewell Kirby and was really melancholic. I really had no idea what it meant, but now that Forgotten Land is revealed, it actually makes a lot more sense. However, even if the developers at HAL Studios didn't tell us it was going to be a 3D Kirby game, a lot of fans had a feeling that the next games were going to be 3D. Throughout the 3DS era, it was pretty clear that HAL Laboratories was making games with the purpose of seeing just how Kirby would work in 3D with some games such as Kirby 3D Rumble testing how Kirby's inhaling and spitting up mechanics would work, and Kirby Battle Royale tested how abilities would work in a 3D space. Even if it was a bit obvious, I'm still so happy that this game exists. As someone who loves 3D platformers, there's not a lot of 3D platformers. Mario currently has a monopoly in that entire genre, and even though I'd prefer Odyssey 2 to this game in a heartbeat, I'm happy that a character who's mostly in 2D platforming games is making the jump to 3D. Especially considering Nintendo has way more than enough 2D platforming franchises. You got new Super Mario Bros., Donkey Kong Country, Yoshi, of course 2D Kirby, and well, Mario's made the jump to 3D more than 20 years ago, Donkey Kong did once, and well... And Yoshi's so hit or miss anyways that I really don't care if that franchise goes to 3D. So of all the franchises Nintendo could have converted to 3D, I'm really happy that it's Kirby. Especially considering, I love Kirby! My first experience with Kirby was when Super Smash Bros. Brawl released, where my sister mained him, and Kirby's down B was the bane of my existence. Okay, I was a dumb little 8-year-old who was playing with the sideways Wii Remote. I certainly didn't know you could grab with the minus button. However, the first real gameplay of a Kirby game I've ever seen was the Runaway Guys project on Kirby's Return to Dreamland. It's a project I still watch to this day. It's one of my absolute favorites. Seeing how much fun Kirby's Return to Dreamland was is what inspired me to buy Kirby Triple Deluxe for the 3DS. 
This was the first ever Kirby game I've ever owned, and I loved it. You ever have that game that's so short, simple, but fun, that you're able to replay it literally any time? That's Kirby Triple Deluxe for me. I've had that game since launch, and I've probably finished it around 10 times. I feel like the main appeal of any Kirby game, really, is not that the tasks ahead of you are really simple, it's just that you have so many ways of completing that task thanks to the copy abilities. Because every single ability had pretty similar controls, it never felt too overwhelming to have nearly 30 abilities in a single game, and just made the game much more replayable to me. I love the layered level design, I love the colors, I love the story. Kirby Triple Deluxe remains one of my all-time favorite games, and is tied with the sequel, Kirby Planet Robot, for being my all-time favorite 3DS game. At this point, I've played a lot of different Kirby games, and one of the first things that stuck out to me when I saw Kirby in the Forgotten Land is how different it looks from every single other Kirby game. A lot of mainline Kirby games have been trying to stay relatively connected to each other. If you know Kirby lore, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm definitely not going to explain it here because I don't want this to be a two-hour podcast, but let me assure you that most recent Kirby games, especially Kirby Star Allies, really tries to connect the entire series into one story with treasures, ancients, and dark matter. However, you see the trailer for Forgotten Land, and Kirby's just washed up in who knows where, and you gotta get him out. It's so refreshing seeing this game being so disconnected from any other Kirby game, considering the most recent game in the main series, Kirby Star Allies, had especially few new ideas present in the game. I love the Kirby platforming titles, but I can't deny that ever since Return to Dreamland came out, it feels like the series has been relying on that formula a little too much. For example, in Return to Dreamland, they decided to implement some collectibles in each level in the form of energy spheres. They then repeated this idea with Sunstones and Kirby Triple Deluxe, Planet Robobot had Code Cubes, and Star Allies had the Celebration Picture Pieces. Kirby's Return to Dreamland also introduced having a Power Trip gimmick in its games, in the form of super abilities. When Triple Deluxe released, they replaced those with the Hypernova, and then the Robobot suit in Planet Robobot and then the friend abilities in Kirby Star Allies. And I especially see this recycling trend continuing with the boss fights in each of these games. In Kirby's Return to Dreamland, Galactonite appeared as a boss, and it was really cool. He was ferocious, used powerful sword attacks, and even guarded too. It was really cool. But when Triple Deluxe came out, they reused that exact same engine for the Dark Meta Knight boss fight. There were some minor differences, such as added attacks, but it was very much the exact same. And then they reused it again in Planet Robobot when Galactonite reappeared. And of course in Star Allies, Morphonite was a boss, and so they used the engine for a fourth time. My point is, is that Kirby and the Forgotten Land is coming at a fantastic point, because it feels like a lot of the mainline Kirby games are homogenizing with each other and each new entry in the franchise just felt like the same, but more. Which isn't necessarily a terrible thing, because I enjoy the majority of the games, but Star Allies just made people tired of the formula. Speaking of changing the formula, another aspect that's completely different in Kirby and the Forgotten Land compared to every other Kirby game is the setting. It's much more contemporary and urban than anything else we've seen. 
It's not a grassy plain in Dreamland, or I don't even know if it's on Popstar. It's just this realistic abandoned city. However, where most abandoned cities portrayed in video games are bleak, dark, and incredibly haunting, Kirby in the Forgotten Land still manages to present an abandoned city, but still have the bright and cheery color palette that we know and love from Kirby games. I mean, to be fair, this is Nintendo that we're talking about. At this point, they're pretty much the masters of taking apocalyptic Earths and making it the setting for their kid-friendly game. Jokes aside, I really like the direction that they took with this deserted city. It doesn't feel like anything destroyed humanity. It seems more like humanity just disappeared one day, and plant life naturally took over. Having this apocalyptic city be all covered with plants and greenery, I think is such a great idea, as it makes what is usually a very muddy, grey and brown setting really pop with a lot of vibrant greens. I love how much detail the environments all have as well. There are so many little details such as rubble being turned up, chairs being all around, flashing signs. It really helps make this world feel like it was once lived in. At this point in the series, Kirby has a very iconic and recognizable color palette, and I feel there's no better testament to that than the reveal trailer of this game. You see, the trailer didn't just show that it was Kirby immediately, it showed some scenes from the abandoned city, left the audience guessing, and then eventually showed Kirby lying on the beach, thus revealing to the public that this is a Kirby game. Now, I'm gonna be honest, I didn't think it was a Kirby game at all when I first saw it. I thought it was Splatoon 3. But then you have people like John Cartwright, from Nintendo Life, the YouTube channel and website. Highly recommend them, by the way. During Nintendo Life's live stream of the Nintendo Direct, it took John Cartwright, like, a few seconds, but then he immediately knew it was a Kirby game because the color of the sky. I consider myself a pretty big fan of the series, but on September 23rd, 2021, John Cartwright showed me that I was nothing. Speaking of nothing, despite the fact that we know Kirby in the Forgotten Land exists, we don't really know much about how it actually plays. The trailer showed Kirby going through some levels, using some copy abilities, but it never actually told us what objectives we have and what the story is here. This has led to a lot of confusion on whether this game is really an open-world Kirby game, or more of a 3D Kirby game that's segmented into levels. While I, obviously, don't know for sure, from what I've seen of the trailer and all the screenshots that we have, I'm definitely leaning towards the fact that it's more of a level-based game that's just in 3D. I say this because most of the levels that we've seen so far aren't really open-world, but they're more organized into corridors. These levels don't seem to be really connected in one open world, but entirely separate areas. I also believe that this game is structured into levels, because from the footage we've seen, I think I already know what the goal point or the objective is of every single level. We see Kirby opening this golden cage of Waddle Dees in one scene in the trailer, but curiously, we also see another golden cage off in the distance in one level, and we even see a golden cage on the boss's necklace. This leads me to believe that this game really is organized in levels, and the objective is to get to the golden cage at the end of every single level. Further adding to this theory is that, from what I can tell, Kirby's running speed is really slow. In the trailer, you see him running towards the boss in the boss's arena, and he's just going at a snail's pace. If it really was an open-world game and Kirby's running speed is that, 
I feel like I'd be able to make a sandwich by the time Kirby travels from one area to another. But, in a level-based game, that really doesn't matter. And while I feel some people may be disappointed at the fact that, oh, it's not Breath of the Kirby, we can't go everywhere we want, I personally don't care as much because I'm sure HAL Laboratories just wants to know that they can do 3D Kirby before they get too ambitious with the structure. In a gameplay viewpoint, Kirby's designed around being able to float in any altitude you want at all times. This works in a 2D setting because Kirby has much less maneuverability and space to work around. He can go back and forth, or up and down, and that's it. That way, you're able to design the game around being able to float over any level that you want, but still feel that there's enough obstacles that you have to avoid in order to be still stimulating. If this was an open-world 3D Kirby game, unless they put a ton of obstacles on the air and on the ground, I feel like it would be way too easy to avoid everything. Because Kirby now has a lot more directions he could work with, it's a lot easier to just simply go around the obstacle, whether you're on the ground or in midair. On top of that, in most 2D games, when it comes to your field of view, you can't see very far ahead of you. That way, when an enemy does appear on screen, you don't have a lot of time to react to it, which does create a sense of challenge. Compared to 3D, where you can see ahead of you and you could plan around avoiding said enemy or obstacle far before you actually encounter it. This game consisting of linear levels that you could travel in 3D will make it easier for the developers to lay out enemies and obstacles in a way that you still have to work around avoiding the obstacles or fighting enemies, while Kirby is given much more range of movement than ever before. Speaking of enemies, it's really funny to see how they had to change how enemies work in the Kirby series in order to accommodate Kirby being in 3D. In 2D Kirby games, Kirby enemies are some of the most passive enemies I have ever seen in a video game. They never try to attack Kirby, they just kind of walk around, minding their own business, and then they attack when they feel like it. It's rare to see enemies attack Kirby when they see him or literally when Kirby's beating or eating them up. But enemies mean business in Kirby in the Forgotten Land. They can now actually aggro him and try to attack him. I would say the enemies are smarter, but considering this is Kirby we're talking about, I don't really know if I'd call it a smart decision to try to attack him. Additionally, enemies are a lot bigger in this game. Most of the time, enemies are usually around Kirby's size, but now the foxes, and especially the boss that we see, dwarf Kirby by comparison. It makes total sense in a gameplay standpoint. Not only does it make the enemies easier to hit Kirby, but it also creates a bigger target for Kirby to hit. But it really helps with the scale of the game, seeing this little pink puffball fighting this giant gorilla creature that just towers him in comparison. I'm really excited to see how the abilities transition into 3D as well. Like the majority of people, I didn't actually play Kirby Battle Royale, but I'm going to assume that most of the movesets for abilities will be taken from that game. In the 2D games, there is a lot of focus on aerial combat and aerial moves, and I don't feel like that's going to be the case for this game. There seems to be a lot of focus on ground combat and area of effect attacks in general. One of the most shocking parts of the trailer is that the needle ability actually looks... useful? And I certainly would have never been able to predict that one. Actually, on the subject of predictions, I don't really have a lot of predictions for Kirby in the Forgotten Land. I'm not really the type of guy to make predictions for games, but I do have some hopes. First off, please just make it longer than Star Allies was. If you couldn't tell by this point, I'm not very fond of Kirby Star Allies. 
And I think one of the biggest reasons is, is that the story mode is pathetically short. I have never bought a game on launch day and then finished it within that same night. I 100%ed the story mode. As in, I didn't just go through every level and fly through it, I got every collectible, I got every secret exit, and I did every extra stage. And I finished the game in less than four hours. The 3DS games had longer story modes than that. And on top of it, the 3DS game had two really in-depth minigames while Star Allies didn't. I'm honestly not expecting this game to be that long, but at least not as short as Star Allies. That's kind of what I'm hoping for. Another hope that I have for Kirby and the Forgotten Land is, simply put, returning characters. I'm really glad to see that Kirby and the Forgotten Land feels very different, but it feels a little weird that the only returning characters seem to be a couple of enemies and Waddledees. There's no hints or references of other characters like Meta Knight, DDD, Megalore, Marks. And with the main Kirby cast not being very big, I'm really hoping that they make some of the dream friends that appeared in Kirby Star Allies become a little bit more prominent characters in the games. And while Marks and Megalore would be really cool, honestly, the one I'm really hoping for is Adeline. She's just so adorable, and I think the concept of an artist who could make her paintings come to life is so clever. And it's such a shame how underutilized she is throughout the series. With Kirby Star Allies making a lot of long-forgotten characters in the limelight again, I'm really hoping that Kirby in the Forgotten Land at least has some of them appear in the game. Or, better yet, make them playable. That was one of my favorite aspects of Kirby Star Allies. And even though I'm not expecting as nearly as many playable characters as there was in Star Allies, I'd at least like there to be some other option other than Kirby. When it comes to playing Kirby games, one of the most important aspects is the copy abilities. And I notice they haven't shown off too many. I'm worried that this new formula will result in overall less copy abilities. I don't think they're going to have as many copy abilities as usual in this game. I feel like they're going to have about 10 to 15 in this game at most. I may be speaking very prematurely because in reality we've barely seen anything of this game, but I'm just hoping there's not a super low number of abilities, like 8. Mostly because I think the abundance of copy abilities is what makes these games so fun to replay. This is also very subjective, but I just hope Mirror reappears again. It was so dumb how it was in Robobond they just took it out for Star Allies. I love that ability so much and I really want to see it again. Other abilities I'd love to see return include Beetle, because its rapid attacks and very high range make it a lot of fun to use. Hammer, because... well, okay, it's Hammer. I don't need to explain myself on this one. It's one of the greatest abilities. I love Hammer, and you probably do too. And while we're at it, let's get both Earthbound abilities back. Both Yo-Yo and ESP I feel would work really well in 3D, especially Yo-Yo. Kirby can sweep his Yo-Yo all around him, and he can also breakdance in 3D. Who doesn't want that? You know, I think there's a lot of great reasons to be excited for Kirby in the Forgotten Land, but one of the most exciting aspects to me is that this game could be a sign that there's going to be a change in mentality when it comes to developing Kirby games. The creator of Kirby, Masahiro Sakurai, created the character in the game in order to create a game that's accessible to anybody and is simple enough that everybody would be able to play and enjoy it. Back in 1992, this mentality made a lot of sense. It's no secret that back in the 90s, games were generally more difficult than they are now. 
I feel like this can mostly be attributed to the fact that video game hardware is not as powerful as it is now. Games that you could create on the NES or SNES couldn't be that long because there wasn't a lot of memory. So the developers just made their games really, really difficult in order to artificially increase playtime. On top of saving game progress not being a normal feature, as well as not all developers knowing how to properly design a game intuitively, made video games back then not very accessible. Games over time have become a lot more intuitive. Controls and tutorials are presented in-game, and difficulty settings are a lot more common. Nowadays, every single game is designed to be enjoyed and played by anybody, making the mentality of Kirby, a game that anybody is able to pick up, kind of outdated now. The Kirby series is pretty well known for not being very difficult, and I don't really think it needs to be that way anymore. I hope to see Kirby in the Forgotten Land adopt a higher level of challenge. I'm not saying it really needs to be that challenging or anything or really legitimately hard, just the difficulty of your average 3D Mario game, I'd say. I feel like an increase in difficulty will lead to creating more intriguing and memorable levels. And I'm sure some people will disagree with me, saying that the low difficulty is an integral part of Kirby's identity, and is what helps make Kirby stand out compared to the rest of the video game franchises out there. And personally, I don't agree with that. I think the feature that makes Kirby stick out the most compared to other video game series is the sheer versatility Kirby has thanks to his copy abilities. I feel like following the mentality of every Kirby game has to be very easy just limits what developers could do with Kirby. And overall, I think a more fun game could be created if the developers just did what they want, and not have to be limited by mentalities of the past. It's no secret that during the 3DS era, HAL Laboratories made a lot of Kirby games. It eventually got to the point that whenever a new game in the series was announced, the general reaction people would have is, oh my gosh, another Kirby game. Kirby in the Forgotten Land is the first game in the series in a while that people are actually excited for. And I am so glad that this is the case. I'm very proud of HAL for choosing to take their most popular series in a whole new direction, and I, for one, can't wait to see how it turns out. Well, I think that's about all I want to say on the topic. If you made it to the end, thank you so, so much for listening. I'm still a new creator, so any support that I get, I really, really appreciate. If you really like what you heard, then first off, I'm really glad to hear that. And second off, I'd really, really appreciate it if you could follow me on whatever podcast site you're using, or follow me at Twitter, at WhatPodcasts, in order to keep up with show updates and whenever next episodes are going to be coming out. And if you did make it this far, then I'd really, really appreciate it if you could fill out the survey that I put in the description. It'll really help me know what you guys like and don't like, and in general, help the channel grow. Well, hey, until next time, this has been What's New Andrew, and that's What's New.